If you will, take your Bible and turn to um, Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. We're going to depart today. We departed last week, and I have felt this message from God for us for quite a while. We departed from our Revelation series last week, and we're going to do it one more. We'll get back to Revelation next week because I, I don't know if the Lord's impressed this on me. Maybe it's for someone here. Maybe it's for you. <clears throat> I began with an old story. I've told it many times. Brother Terry's probably told it dozens of times. But I'm going to tell it again for those that have not heard it and those who have heard it. You be nice, okay? It was in the backyard of a, of a farmer's house. You had a chicken, you had a pig, and you had a cow. And they were talking. And the chicken's the talking one. He goes, uh, you know what? We have it pretty good around here. And, uh, and the uh, um, uh, cow goes, you're right. The pig goes, uh-huh. Pig don't talk much. He said, um, you know what? He said, this farmer just treats us so good. You're right. Pig goes, uh-huh. Did you know what? We need to do something good for this farmer. Cow said, you're right. Pig, and, pig just said, okay. So the chicken spoke up one more time and said, here's what we need to do. We need to give that farmer a really good breakfast. We can have eggs and milk and bacon. And the cow said, that sounds great. And the pig just stood there. They looked at him and said, what's wrong with you? He said, for you two, that's involvement. For me, that's commitment. You know, I want to give to you a day, a, kind of a ball game. Go ahead and put that up there, Cameron. Kick that next slide up there. I want you to see this uh, uh, football field. You'll know, maybe. Maybe you won't. Do what? All right. Anyway, what should have gone up there is a football field. You know what a football field is, don't you? And you know when you have uh, football games, you have somebody playing. There we go. Good job, guys. You see? Somebody versus somebody. Now, hit that one more time. I want you to see this football game today. <laughs> Commitment. Versus involvement. Now, we're going to hold it there just for a second. I want to tell you, I, I chose football because I'm a diehard Saints fan. I understand the Saints are having their problems right now. I understand all that. They'll get it cleared up. And just like when Alabama and Auburn all went on probation. So y'all just don't pick on me and I won't pick on you, okay? But I am a diehard Saints fan. I, I love the Saints. Now, at the same time, I love Peyton Manning. I always followed Peyton Manning. And so I was in a dilemma... In the 2010 Super Bowl, people thought. And when they'd come to me, they'd go, who are you going to pull for? Are you going to pull for Peyton or are you going to pull for the Saints? And I said, you don't understand. I am in a no-lose situation. Either way, I come out on top. But you know what the truth is? Is that when, when the Saints play, whoever Peyton's playing for, it's a decision. But when the Saints play the Falcons, it's no decision at all. 
Because I love the saints, and I'm not going to use the H word because it's not very dignified from the pulpit. But let's just say that the Saint that, that the Falcons are not my favorite team. Okay? It's kind of like Alabama-Auburn. Remember that child that told Kevin Ham he couldn't pull for both teams? That's kind of the way it is. Here's what I want to say to you. Commitment versus involvement. I want us to have a conversation for the next 30 or so minutes about this because it's very important for us. If this were a football game, I want you to notice that involvement is listed last. And as a general rule, the home team is listed last. And here's what I've come to tell you today. In America, in the 21st century church, involvement is the home team with the home field advantage. We're involved up to the hilt. And we're not, I'm not just talking about church. I'm talking about you can, dancing, cheerleading, football, basketball, baseball, soccer, church, and more. We are a involved people. And to be involved means that you, you're there because you are getting something out of it. You are getting something out of it. And you better be happy with what you're getting. Because you know why? Because we are a getting society. We are a getting people. And we better be happy and pleased with what we get. Because if we're not happy with what we're getting here, we'll get someplace else and get something from somebody else in another organization or another place. You see, the truth is when you're only involved in something, you can just let something go wrong. And when something goes wrong, you may not quit on the spot because of your reputation or something else, but you know what will happen? You'll get a one or an eye. You'll begin to be less involved. You'll begin to look at that other organization. You'll begin to look at that other church. You'll begin to look at that other job. You'll begin to look at other things, and you'll become less involved because you didn't get what you want because you think we think getting is what it's all about I suggest to you that involvement is the most shallow level of life you can live if you'll push that to the next slide please I want to give you a statement because I want to I want to change our focus from the culture and the community and even from just church to the spiritual. Because you see, when it comes to your relationship with God through Christ Jesus, there is a different level. And we need to hear it. I want to put a statement up here. I'm going to leave it up there so you can so you can kind of digest it. When it comes to spiritual things, go ahead. Jesus never called anyone to an involvement-only status. And we can think that, oh, man, we're involved, so we're okay. But, folks, Jesus doesn't ask for. He requires commitment. Are, are you hearing what I'm telling? Jesus requires commitment. Commitment is different than involvement. Commitment is a promise. Commitment is a vow. Commitment is an obligation. Commitment will make demands of you. 
Real commitment is that pig providing ham for breakfast. It requires us to give all that we are. 22 years ago, 1990, a Christian surveyist named George Barna surveyed America. And he's been doing this for over a quarter of a century now. But he entitled a book that was the results of his surveys of everybody in America. He entitled it, The Frog in the Kettle, which, as you know, your ninth-grade science teacher taught you that if you take a frog and you drop him in a a pan of room-temperature water, he'll sit there. But if you drop him in hot water, he'll jump out. But if you put him in that room-temperature water and you gradually raise the heat, he will stay right there until he's upside-down dead. Because he has no idea about what's going on around him. And in that, in that insightful book, I'm going to give you six or seven of his uh, uh, findings. Go ahead, if you will, Cameron. The divorce rate is climbing. Half of all new marriage ended in divorce. Now, let me tell you the sadder part of that. Half of all new marriages end in divorce. It is just as high in the church. This was 22 years ago, by the way. It is just as high, divorce rate is just as high in the church as it is outside the church. Commitments are no better, it seems, than in the church, than out of the church. Move. Go ahead, Kim. Adults feel they have fewer close friends than they did, in, than did adults in past decades. Lack of commitment. Go ahead. The proportion of people willing to join an organization is declining in relation to churches, labor unions, political parties, clubs, and community associations. Let me just say this to you. People don't want to join anymore. You know why? Because they don't want to be committed. I heard Vance Havner say if Satan came to America, he wouldn't fight the churches. He'd join the churches. Because it's not expected anything. And yet the people out there who've not joined the church know that when they join, their name's on the line. They're committed. Number four, book clubs and record sales are less likely to attract new members when multiple year multi-product commitments are required. We don't want to commit. Go ahead. Two or three more. Percentages of adults who sense a duty to fight for their country, regardless of the cause, has dropped. So basically now, we have decided in America the greatest nation ever formed. We did not get this great nation by people deciding, I will fight for this and I won't fight for that. We got this great nation because patriots, Christian patriots said, it's worth dying for. And many people shed their blood and lost their life. Number five, the percentage of people who commit to attend events but fail to show is on the rise. Do I need to even comment about that? How many ministry leaders in this church have put something together and had 32 to sign up and have 15 to show up? Go ahead. Today's parents are less likely to believe that it is important to remain in an unhappy marriage for the sake of the children than, than they were 20 years ago. Now, remember, that's 90, so you're talking about 70. I bet, it's, I bet it's worse than that. But before we look at our text, I want to give you one more thought. The real tragedy of all of this involvement, the real tragedy of it all, is that we have now raised one, at least one, possibly two generations of children whom this is their worldview. They know nothing about till death do us part. They know nothing about getting in there and grinding it out until 
until uh, uh, we see our way through. Brothers and sisters, I come before you today to tell you that God knows nothing about this type of commitment. He knows nothing about starting something and walking away. Jesus died on the cross. That was His commitment to us. Our Lord God demonstrated His authentic commitment to you and to me in the cross of Jesus. Sending Jesus to the cross, God said, I'm going to see it through no matter what the cost, no matter how much the pain. And I tell you today, commitment and involvement are bitter rivals. Let me say that a little clearer. Commitment and involvement are bitter, bitter rivals. Because Satan will tell you all you need to do is involved, be involved. And our Lord tells us we need to be committed. If you look in Luke chapter 9, Jesus demonstrates this. Chapter 9, verse 57. It reads like this. As they, chapter 9, verse 57 of Luke, as they, that would be Jesus and his disciples, as they were traveling on the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus told him, Foxes have dens and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Then he, Jesus, said to another, Follow me. And that's the call he gives to every one of us. Lord, he said, first let me go bury my father. But he told him, Jesus told him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you, go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. Another also said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go and say goodbye to those at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, that's some tough teaching. When you look at chapter 9, it's an interesting chapter because we're going to go back and look at some more that he says about commitment. You see, Jesus is trying to impress on us those real and those false commitments that we have. And as I read... As I read and have studied, I believe there are two commitments, two types of commitments that we have in our lives. First commitment is going to be an involvement type of commitment. It's what I call artificial commitment. Artificial commitment. Now, you know what artificial is. It's something that it looks real. It's something that may have the color of real. But, boy, once you touch it, you can tell it's plastic. You can tell there's nothing to it you see jesus in these word in, in these words that we've read to me illustrate three types of artificial commitments you're not going to appreciate these words but at the risk of sounding obnoxious and i don't mean it that way it doesn't matter whether you like or i like what the scripture says or the words the principles are true the first thing that i see here is what i call the showy commitment 
the showy commitment. You find that in that first man. They were traveling on the road and someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. You see, there are people that always step forward no matter what happens. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. You want something? I'm there for you. And Jesus responds, "This you don't even know what you're committing to. It's, it is the person that steps forward every time. And you know, what, you know what you discover? They step forward. I want to do it. I want to do it. I want to do it. And they do it for about 2.3 days. You know why? Because they, they said they would before they knew the cost. I'm convinced that many people today walked down an aisle, took a preacher by the hand, walked through the, through the waters of baptism, put their name on the church roll before they ever really knew what it cost. They said, I'll follow Jesus. But what does it cost? It costs a change of life, a change of heart, a change of attitude. It costs everything you have. That showy commitment is the one that people can say, well, we need something. Oh, so-and-so, they'll, they'll sign up to do it. Now, they may not see it through, but they'll see it. That they'll sign up for it. So showy commitment because he wanted everybody to think that he was following Jesus. And Jesus said, man, you don't even know. I don't even have a place to lay my head. You don't really know what it cost. Second thing I see here is what I call the shallow commitment. Jesus gave the second guy the call. He said, verse 59, he said to another, follow me. I'm just going to pause there and tell you that's the call he gives to every person. He doesn't give anybody a call of join a church and sit on a pew. He gives a call, follow me. Now, I want to just say this to you. If you follow Jesus, if you have Jesus in your heart, you will be a part of a local congregation. You will plant your life there. You will commit there. In fact, the Bible speaks nothing of a long-ranger Christian. Every time you read in the Scripture, they are together. But this guy, he says... Um, Jesus says, follow me. And he says, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. But let me go bury my dad. You go on. And you read Jesus' response. You go, well, Jesus don't want you to love your family. He don't want you to take care of your family. Sure he does. In fact, the scripture says, if a man, not a woman, but if a man doesn't take care of his family, he is worse than an infidel. The Lord wants us to love our family. But you know what? Theologians readily agree that this man's dad wasn't dead yet. He wanted to put it off. But even in those days, if his dad was were dead, <clears throat> there was a process that could take to up to a year <clears throat> for the family to finish. I just want to say this to you. God expects you to take care of your family. God expects you to love your family. But please listen. Please listen. God does not ever expect you to love your family more than Him. In fact, I'm going to go out on a limb and just tell you something. If you're putting your kids or your wife or your money or your job or anything else ahead of God in your life, you are putting them on dangerous ground because he, you put your money ahead of God, He can take it away. Think about what's happened financially in this country the last couple of years. You put your wife 
up on a pedestal, deify your wife or husband, one breath they can be gone. You're not to put you put your children, well, that's a scary thing. Put your children, and next thing you know, you're burying a child. You see, the the first and second commandments are still in effect. You'll have no other God before me. You'll not make any image before me. You see, this shallow commitment has everything out of order. This shallow commitment says, uh, uh, I will, but I'm just not going to follow you first. You're not going to be first. That's the artificial commitment. Third commitment that you see here that's artificial is what I call a silly commitment. And you're not going to like that word. That's okay, but it is a silly commitment. Another one said to Jesus, verse 61, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to those at my house. I wonder who all was his house. Did he have a house full of company, Jamie? You know what this commitment really is? Lord, I'll come and do if I have nothing else to do. If I can't find anything else to do, I'll follow you. Now, let's just play hardball for a second. Since I centered this on a football game, you see the pigskin up there. I wonder how many times in the, in the Lord's house. Just a question. I, I, I wonder how many times that we're asked to do something for the Lord through the church. And it's six weeks down the road. And we go, you know, I don't know what I'll be doing in six weeks. I can't commit to that. And if you stay in that conversation long enough, you know what you'll discover? They know what they're doing the third Thursday, the third Saturday of November every year. Hello? Too close to home? I submit to us, it's not a matter that we don't know. I submit to us that, that committing to the Lord is not something that we really want to do. And you know what he said? He said, any man putting his hand to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. If I were you, it is in my Bible, I would underline that verse. Because you see, it is a verse of commitment. It is a, you say, boy, that's tough. Come on, folks. How tough was it for Jesus to spread his arms and take nails, to cross his feet and take nails, to allow them to put a crown of thorns on his head and beat him over the head. How difficult was it for him? Here's what I will say to you. If God doesn't judge us for our artificial commitment, he's going to have to apologize to Jesus for making him die. Artificial commitment. But then Jesus raised his stakes, and we're going to go back in chapter 9, backwards in chapter 9, to verse 23 and following. Then Jesus said to them all, If anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself. He must take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever wants... Whoever loses his life because of me will save it. 
What is a man benefited if he gains the whole world yet loses, loses or forfeits himself? And obviously, obviously, the key verse there is verse 23 as we think about the second kind of commitment. Artificial commitment, number one. The second kind is authentic commitment. Authentic commitment. You see, artificial, let us not be, let us not be confused. Artificial commitment will give a little. It'll work a little. It'll cooperate a little. It'll help a little. It'll attend Sunday school a little. It'll attend worship a little. But an authentic commitment is there for the long haul. An authentic commitment gives all it has to give. And Jesus personified an authentic commitment. Jesus defines what a real and true and authentic commitment really is. When I read verse 23, I'm thinking, how hard can this be? And it is very hard. I already told you, you probably ordered underline verse 62. If you don't have it, you ought to underline verse 23. Make it your life verse. Three characteristics if you're going to make an authentic commitment. And I'll just say, if you don't measure in these three, it's probably not an authentic commitment. The first thing he says, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself. I would say, we must forsake self. Forsake self. When Jesus uses this word deny, it means that you have to say no to yourself. You have to turn from selfishness, turn from self-centeredness, and put aside one's desires. Now, we know about saying no to ourselves, don't we? Let me embarrass you. How many in this room have ever been on a diet? (laughs) Now, how many are liars? No, I'm just kidding, okay? When you go on a diet, you say no to yourself. Man, I sure want that donut. No. Man, I sure want that pecan pie. No. You see, we understand what it is to say no to ourselves. But we really don't want to do it. We're really not raised in a culture that says no to self. And yet Jesus says, if anyone's going to come with me, they're going to walk with me. They have to. Not they better. Not it'd be a good idea. You must deny yourself, forsake yourself. This means that we live in the reality of Philippians chapter 2 where Paul writes, Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourself. Everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. You see... If we're honest, we're not raised in that kind of a culture. We're not raised in the culture of telling self no. In fact, the reason you have so much trouble at Christmas time buying presents for your family and friends is because what do you buy people that have everything they want? The average person in this worship center, you want something, you might have to wait a week. How different is that from when you got married and you had to wait a year to save up the money? Can't buy anybody something new because they got it all. 
Because we don't say no to ourselves. You see, we're in this, we're in this life where we um, get all we can and can all we get, and every person's for themselves. And Jesus taught us that we should forsake ourselves. That's what he did at the cross was he forsook himself. He placed our life above his life. He was concerned about our eternal destination. Jesus, while he was on the cross, he took time from dying to save somebody. He forsook himself. And then in the upper room he said, Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You see, our Lord Christ taught us how to forsake ourselves. It's not an option. It's not a possibility. It's not anything but a requirement that we forsake ourselves. You see, he talks about us laying down our lives. Laying down our lives. Living for others. And we have trouble changing our schedule for somebody else. Forsaking self, make no mistake, it's sacrificial. At the risk of offending everybody, sacrificial sacrifice is the S word of the modern day church. Modern day believer. But he says, you know, you must deny yourself. Second thing I would suggest to you is that we have to sp- focus spiritually. Now, what are you talking about, Brother Jerry? Well, that's the second phrase. Must take up his cross daily. Take up his cross daily. You know that the cross is, a, is an instrument of suffering and death. What exactly does that mean? I read this this week and I thought it fit right in here. Knowing that the church needs to forsake self, we need to focus spiritually. This is what I read. If all the lukewarm folk would fire up, if all the disgruntled folk would sweeten up, if all the dry bones would shake up, if all the gossipers would shut up, if all the lazy ones would pick up their cross, we would be on their way because the cross is a commitment to Jesus Christ. You know, I don't know all this phrase means, take up your cross daily. But I'm sure that it means that we have to have our hearts, our souls, in our very lives, focused on Him. You see, folks, commitment is never easy. It's a sacrifice. It'll test you. I mean, think about it. Think about it in modern-day terms, not just of the Lord. Think about it in modern-day terms. You signed your name on contract after contract after contract. Either it was to pay your house note, your car note, a credit card or something. (laughs) I know that I'm the only one like this in this entire room. But you get this little reminder in the mail that the bill is due, and you look at your bank account, and your bank account's hurting. Y'all know what I'm talking? Am I the only one that knows that? But you know what you do because you made that commitment? You rob Peter to pay Paul. You find a way to put whatever funds you have together to meet 
that obligation. You know, you may have too much month left at the end of your money, but you're going to figure out a way to meet that obligation. That's the commitment. That is a commitment. And taking up our cross and following Jesus is all about focusing our lives on Him. And then doing everything on our lives to serve Him. Let me just, let's just break it down a little bit. We may have somebody in here that don't have any connection to Christ. The first commitment is to Him. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? I, I don't mean do you know who He is. I don't mean if you, have you read about Him in the Bible. I'm talking about have you discovered Him in your life? where he's come into your life, where he's forgiven your sin. Not just do you know Jesus is a Savior, but is he your Savior? If he's your Savior, then you've made a commitment to him. So I ask you today, how is that commitment going? Huey Town members? Are you committed or involved to this church? Are you committed or are you just involved? The involvement says, hey, hey, I support what I think is important. Let me just say this to you. If we're doing something in this church that is unimportant and not kingdom, you come tell me and the deacons and I will do our best to can it. If we're going to be God's church, if we're going to, if we're going to meet, then if you're, unless you're physically unable, we need to be committed. And you know what? You know how most people rate whether they're going to support something or not? It's whether I'm getting something out of it. See there? We're back to the getting thing again. You see, commitment requires us to focus on the one we're committed to, to fulfill his plan. I'll never be the most popular anything, never have been, never will be. But that's not really my assignment in life. But I'll just say this to you today. If this church did ministry and gatherings based on the vote of the church, I'm not talking about business meeting. You understand that you can have business meeting votes, and that's one thing. Yeah, people votes, that's something else. If you look at us and Teddy, we did this as deacons. Our church votes week in and week out to not have Wednesday night service for adults and not have Sunday night service. We vote weekly to do that. Are you involved or are you committed? Got the wondering eye? Are you focused spiritually on making what God has put here the best it can be? We could go on and on, but there's one more here. He says, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross. And then the third thing is simply to follow the Savior. 
follow the Savior. I just want to say this to you, that following Jesus is about following Jesus according to Jesus, not according to you or me. Following Jesus is an all or nothing proposition. So, folks, his, his, his steps don't lead you to a rose garden of getting everything you want. It does not lead you into that never-never land of getting your way. But following him leads to a work that will bring such inner peace and such a great reward beyond the grave in eternity. And even for now, in time. Following Jesus requires your complete and total commitment. And I suggest this to you because somebody you're going to see and you don't think we're committed? Well, I want to I I end with this thought. Could be, it could be that we've committed all we are to him except for one thing. Just one thing. Oh, come on, Brother Jerry. Can't I keep one thing? Just one thing. Can I end with this story? A certain man lived in Haiti, and he wanted to sell his house for $2,000. And somebody wanted to buy it. The problem was they couldn't come up with $2,000. And so they negotiated, haggled, whatever you want to, whatever you want to talk, call it. And finally they struck a deal. The owner was going to sell his house for the money that the buyer had with the exception of one thing. In the front door, over the door facing, there was one ten-penny nail. And the owner said, I'll sell you everything for your price except that one nail. That nail is mine to do with as, as I please. I was elated. I mean, what could this guy do with one nail? Kind of like, what, what can Satan do if you just keep one thing, if you withhold one thing from the Lord? Everything went okay for a couple of years, then the original owner, you guessed it, wanted to buy the house back. The guy didn't want to sell so he went and found an old, dead, decaying carcass of a dog, and he hung it on his nail. Wasn't too long before that stench made the house unlivable, and the man sold the whole thing back to the original owner. I suggest to you that happens to us when we commit everything but one thing. Our enemy will, will hang whatever he wants to on that one thing until we walk away from our commitment or just become involved. I ask you, have you given Christ your life totally? Have you given him your life to save you from hell, put you on the road to heaven and give you abundant life? If not, why not do it today? And then I ask you, are you committed to his church? If you're not a member of this church, are you committed to your church? Or are you just involved? 
Is there a nail in your life that's crippling your commitment? Why not bring it to Jesus today?